Welcome to Lectionary Call-In for Tuesday, December 6th of 2022, where two laypersons, a pastor and an academician, gather for about 45 minutes each week to discuss the Gospel Lectionary for the coming Sunday. This Sunday is December 11th, the third Sunday of Advent. Each Tuesday, we call in from wherever we may be at 6.30 a.m. Eastern. Today, for our friend Charles Wilder in Minnesota, that's 5.30 a.m., Our team's working to be faithful to year A, and that puts us in the Gospel of Matthew on Sunday, and we hope the discussion will provide areas of focus and reflection is what we do. We develop perspectives independently after the lead-off person shares some formative questions. And then in this virtual discussion room, we share and encourage and challenge each other. And here are the folks joining us in today's discussion. Bill Hall, St. Petersburg, Florida. You're on mute, Charles. Sarah, go ahead. Sarah Mickelson, Tampa, Florida. And with us also is Charles Willard from Minnesota. And I'm Don Upton. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Sarah Mickelson is our lead today. And so she'll be reading the scripture and guiding our discussion. Hello, Sarah. What is the good news? The good news is we're reading from Matthew 11, verses 2 through 11. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. When John heard in prison that the Messiah was, what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. And as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in the royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born to women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And that ends the reading of our scripture. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of ready for Advent to give us those soft, sweet Jesus stories. The ones that talk about the birth of Jesus. And then I'm interrupted in reality and I'm back into Advent 3. So my questions for today have to do about Advent 3. I'm pondering Advent as expressed by the reception of Christ in the heart of the believer. In this text, we hear questions asked by John of Jesus via his followers, and then we hear questions asked by Jesus of the crowds. What might the listeners have learned about John and Jesus from these exchanges? What do you think, Bill? Um, I would expand your question just a bit 
uh, in that in learning about John and Jesus, we also have the possibility to discern something of God and how God works in the world. Um, John and Jesus were related biologically through their mothers, Elizabeth and Mary, uh, who were cousins. But John and Jesus each were unique and different human beings. Now, this is sort of obvious and rather dramatic in the accounts of uh, John and Jesus. By the way, this story of John in prison and sending messengers to Jesus is also recorded in Luke 7. Uh, The only particular difference I see, I will note in a moment, um, this like accounts are very similar. Um, I think Sarah uh, focusing on both what do we learn about God is through John and Jesus. We are reminded that God works in God's own ways in widely different types of persons in a variety of locales in a diverse array of accents and languages and style of ministry. John was Rugged. John was an outdoors person. He lived simply and sparingly. Jesus did spend time in the wilderness, but primarily was traveling throughout the country, often in cities. And at times, Jesus was criticized for sitting at meals with the rich and famous. Uh, so they they had different personalities, different styles, but each was being faithful to God's call to in this case, him, um, God calls men and women into ministry. John's message, it seems to me, basically was prepare. Something is about to happen. That's why I assume, Sarah, this is in the Advent lectionary. Uh, Advent is about waiting, uh, preparing. Um, and Jesus's message, uh, it's, I forget how many times, I, I looked it up. The, the statement by Jesus, the kingdom is near, is repeated more than once in the Gospel of Matthew and, and the other Gospels. So they're not contradictory, uh, but there's a different emphasis. The other thing I take most comfort from, Sarah, is, in this case, speaking of John, not of me, even the giants of the faith have questions and even doubts. Are you the one? John had proclaimed, here's the Messiah, the one coming after me. And maybe because he was in prison and wondering about his own circumstance, and I suspect, Sarah, that John had some inkling where his journey was going to end. Um and and it ended, as we know, with his death by be, being beheaded on a frivolous uh, event between the king and a woman. Um, is he, who was it? Frederick Beekner, somebody said, doubts are the ants of pants in faith, the pants of faith, um, that, that questions and doubts... I must admit, with all that's going on in our world, there are times I am wondering, God, why aren't you doing something? Why the the killings and the violence and the disdain of, of people, especially among our leaders? Um, and then 
Jesus said of John, among those born of a woman, women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. Uh, God's view of us is not according to the world's standard. So I will finish with my takeaway from your question is, Sarah, what I learned is I need to live my faith where I am, as I am, who I am, and that's what God wants from me and from each of us. Thank you for the question. Thank you. Charles, what are your thoughts? Let me unmute myself first. No, you're you're good. We can hear you. I am. Yeah. Sorry. It's it's. I'm sitting here wondering. You know, we t- we tend once we start reading a passage, or looking for a passage, or finding one, and then comparing it to another one, we we tend to strip it from its. its presence and project it into somewhere somewhere that it's that it suddenly has just appeared for us. So I don't you know, I sort of have have to wonder what not not so much what Mark was thinking or what what uh what John was thinking or what Matthew was thinking but what were the what were the what what do they anticipate was going to come from what they were they had decided here. And I'm not sure I have an answer for that. I don't, I mean, John raised the question and, but again, we're treating it, we're treating it as though it is it is plain and absolute what was meant. And I don't think that we know that. We don't know what John was thinking. We don't know what uh, what Jesus was thinking at this point. In fact, we don't know for a fact that Jesus actually said anything. It's recorded that he did, but it's recorded that he did by somebody who was writing years after Jesus was there to say, you know, that's not, that's, you didn't get it right. And we just take it at, at, at face value, which I find sometimes puzzling and difficult to deal with. Thank you. Don, what are your thoughts? I'll build on what you're Let's say, all right, if if we don't have confidence in what's passed down hearsay and documents and storytelling over generations, and there's a generation or two here between whatever happens and how it's reported, then let's get to the core, core of what's happening here, which is a call for evidence and a Jesus' response for evidence. So your question is about learning from the exchanges. So what do we learn from question and the answer? Number one is it's not answers. It's not it's not some answers. It's an answer, very specific answer. So kind of building what Charles said, the answer is Jesus answers and works and answers in a particular way, an answer. And it's a peculiar way, too, because I think it might be unexpected even to this day. I'll build on what Charles said in terms of how we use this today. The peculiar answer is evidence, 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 firsthand, tangible evidence. What did you see firsthand? There's the answer. What did you see? And, and then Charles is saying, well, we're 2,000 years later. 
where's my first hand? But the nut here is the first hand. And it's not an affirmation, I think, of power or wealth or kingship in an expected way either. It's look and see what's happening. And there's no consolidation of power or wealth in the way that I think would normally be thought of. So <clears throat> this unusual leadership, this unusual kingship, this messiahship. Jesus is also not a reporter, not third hand or perspective, like I'm going to heal, I'm healing now, I am present now, or a herald or a historian, he's engaged in visible activities that involve other people. So we may be 2,000 years apart, but you get to the core of it, it's watch, look, see what's happening right now. He doesn't respond in the context either of a rubric or a checklist for the Messiah. He just tosses that out with one answer, see what's happening, look at what's being healed right now, see it. So, you know, John may have a rubric. He may. And it's like, what is what is the right score that I need here? I'm not sure about that, but he may. But I don't think Jesus is paying attention to that. Uh, there's no alternative answer, I guess is what I'm saying. And there's, there's an echo here, which goes to your next question, I think, Sarah, which is the echo of who do you see I am? Who do people say I am in you know, other parts of the scripture? Who do you see? It's preparing for that kind of inquiry as well. So it's a different take on identity. I'll use a simple example. Uh, are you a fisherman? And I'll go, yes, I like to fish. See, I just told you I fish. No, I wear fisherman's clothes. I'm a fisherman. I, here's my tackle. I have tackle. I'm a fisherman. Or I caught a really big fish. It was on Zoom. I'm putting my hands way out. It's this big. Jesus is asked, if, are you a fisher person? And he holds up a fish. This is, this is a fish. He always goes to the reality of what's going on. So that's, that's, my, that's my answer, Sarah. Isn't it interesting that Jesus' answer depends on our interpretation? Um, I, I, I was struck by that. Um, so this idea of identity being un, unveiled or unfolded is occurring in this passage. I think uh, it's a question of who John was and it's a question of who Jesus is. And it's a question of what's the relationship. And um, I think it falls into the camp of if who you are and what you do are in lockstep, then it's it's something that's very easy for people to see and hear. And it becomes something um, marvelously powerful in this case. So that was my... Um, the, I, I think you touched on it, Bill, the, the idea that John, a giant in our faith, could be shaken, if you will, enough to ask the question, was I misguided? Did I think the wrong thing about you? Nope. This is what you, you got it right. So there's this exchange to bring John some confirmation, <clears throat> even though John's story isn't going to end well. So I, I guess that falls back into my thoughts on sometimes who I understand God to be is not determined by the outcome of my scenario. God is God, and God stays God 
no matter what happens to me. Question number two. I hear references to Isaiah, chapters 35 and chapter 42 in this reading. What references do you hear? Donna, we'll start with you this time. <coughs> Thank you. I'll, I'll, uh, I hear references to literature and scripture anytime something is taken out of context or out, like out of C2, like it's a stained glass window is not in frame. Anything out of frame. So for the listener, if you're in a class, one of the things you could prompt is to answer Sarah's question is, what literature, what poetry, could be scripture, could be anything, deals with something that's unrecognizable out of context? Would be, ah, I can do it myself. You know, go to literature that says, uh, I didn't see you there. Why? Well, because I only see you in the workplace, and I now see you in the grocery store, and I didn't recognize you. That kind of thing. That, that, that's Q&A that we're talking about with Jesus. It's this work to try to answer the question, who are you? And his answer is out of context. He's out of context with expectations. He's out of context with the rubric. So I offer all the passages in the gospel related to Christ riding into Jerusalem, which echoes the Old Testament, people celebrating kingship, the coming of the Messiah, and it's filled with pathos. Who is this? on this donkey riding in. Who do you think he is there? Who is that? He's going to ride in no matter what, in my faith. He's going in no matter what, whether he's celebrated or not, whether it's filled with pathos, whether it's a mistake, whether they're doing dress-up, he's riding in. So I offer all those scriptures as an example. And then I, I want to uh, just give you something secular uh, that takes – this, the work that we have to do, that things are not in the frame that we expect them to be. This Christ is not. And I would offer today, he is not in the frame I want him to be in. He's not in the frame. We have to work hard there. You're talking about we all have different answers. We have to work, work. Advent's about the work of Christ out of frame, you know, and approaching him in that context. And so I'm going to use just pieces of a poem by David Morton from 1944, and it's called Stripped Identity. And it's about a rose sitting on the bush, but then falling to the ground, and it's no longer a rose, or is it? So Christ pulled apart from the frame. Christ set apart. All the, the idea of being set apart. Look now, what a brave despair with what a uh, stoical repose a rose deploys upon the air. All that it means to be a rose. The petals break, and with no sound, and falter falling, in no wind and take their splendor to the ground and leave upright in the air a thin and torn family to stand as autumn comes where summer came. Look now across the golden land, but not at this that has no name. And all it's beginning to demonstrate, I think, is that in, in, in sixth place where a rose belongs, there it is, and we call it a rose, but it has fallen to the ground as a separate. What is that? I didn't recognize you, Rose. I think that's what this part of this inquiry is, is to wake up. The Advent, wake up. Look, it's not over here. It's over there doing something that you didn't expect. That's, that's my best answer. I'm going to step away for the call. Bill, what are your thoughts? I'll be right back. Okay, um, I'm going to begin by 
reading what I had planned to say at the end of my response, uh, I will reference some uh, passages. I think the ones I choose and the ones you referred to, Sarah, illustrate that wherever you look in Scripture, God is at work on behalf of the persons living on the margins. Now, your question was, what references do I hear? Isaiah 25, for you, God, have been a refuge to the poor, a refuge to the needy, a shelter from the rainstorm and shade from the heat. You will make for all peoples a rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wine strained clear. <laughs> I like that, well-aged wine strained clear. Clear. In other words, uh, Jesus, the first miracle was turning water into wine, and the wine steward said, yeah, you've saved the best to last. From Isaiah 61, from which Jesus read when preaching his first sermon in his hometown of Nazareth, God has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captive, release to the prisoners, uh, to comfort all who mourn. And uh, in this week's lectionary passages, Psalm 146 is listed in verses 7 through 9. It says, God executes justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, sets the prisoners free, opens the eyes of the blind, lifts up those who are bowed down, loves the righteous, watches over the strangers, upholds the orphan and the widow. Mary's song after when she went to visit Elizabeth, both learned they were pregnant. Uh, Mary's so-called Magnificat, God has scattered the proud, brought down the powerful, filled the hungry, sent the rich away empty. And then from my buddy James, the only place in Scripture that religion is defined Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep yourself unstained by the world. Again, I will repeat where I began that wherever we go in Scripture, we find that God is at work on behalf of the persons living on the margins. You may know the story of Jim Wallace who founded Sojourners, uh, a biblically-based ministry that advocates for the poor in one of his books, his story is that he was attending, as I remember it, a Bible college, and some he and some students began to be interested, apparently, for the first time in justice. And like Jefferson, who cut out of the New Testament any references to miracles and the divinity of Christ, they physically took a Bible and began to cut out any passage that directly or indirectly referenced justice. And they, their point was there were huge parts of Scripture missing if you take that out. And that began, as I remember his story, his journey toward a commitment to biblically-based, Christ-centered ministry for those uh, who are on the margins. And Sarah, you and I and others were in the adult education class last Sunday led by Kim Toole on the book of James. And I thought afterwards that the question was, are 
James and Paul in conflict over the issue of salvation by grace or by works. And I love this. When Jesus was asked, are you the one? He didn't say, go tell John my five-step plan of salvation. Go tell John what my theology is. He said, go and tell John what you see and what you hear. Discern for yourself if I am the Messiah based on what I am doing. Again, thank you for this question, Sarah. I'm a big fan of uh, what you do and what you say should agree. Charles, what are your thoughts? I agree with you. <laughs> um so I referenced uh, Isaiah 35 and 42, which are both held up as um, the language used for what John asks the report to be to John, or what Jesus asked John's report to be back to him in prison, which is tell, tell him that the blind are seeing and the deaf are hearing and the lame are walking and the lepers have been healed. So this evidentiary style of presentation of of what actions do you see, what words do you hear. So report back what you hear and what you see and let it be a firsthand eyewitness account, which I think is a beautiful way of, of pushing it back to John going, you're right, don't don't sway. It, it's going to go the way you think it's going to go. It may not go the way you imagined, but it's going to be what you hoped it would be. My third question, um, I'm thinking about Advent as a behavioral guide or a posturing guide for us. And I'm thinking about the year one or year A readings that we've had so far in Advent 1 and Advent 2. Um, what behaviors or postures might those offer to you or offer for you that we might follow in our walk toward Christmas? So what by what behaviors are, are what posture or behaviors might we be invited to adopt in this reading? So where have we been in the last two weeks, and what are we looking at this week as far as um, postures or behaviors that we could practice as we prepare for Christmas? Bill, what do you got? Uh, back to question one, I would say we need to be alert for God to be at work often where we least expect God to be and through persons who may or may not meet our expectations. Um, in this season of Advent, I believe we are called to prepare and wait and to know that God is already here and at work throughout the world and universe. On the uh, working preacher podcast, Sarah, um, Caroline Lewis, uh, they were discussing the reference in this week's lectionary passage from James about patience, and she and Matt Skinner were helpfully making the point that patience is not just being passive. Uh, Sarah, a noted biblical scholar, uh, New Testament, said that the Greek word for patience can also be translated as endurance. I like that, that to be patient isn't to sit on your hands and wait passively for God or somebody else to do something. It is to endure and to persevere. Um, 
what postures I would say, building on what I've already said, that since God is focused on those least seen by many to be alert for who in our spheres of influence is most vulnerable and in need. I think that's what James had in mind when he defined religion and focused on widows and orphans. I don't think he was saying those are the only people you should ever minister to. I believe James was looking around, watching the church uh, treat the rich uh, royally. He calls them out for marching the rich down front and honoring them. He looked around and said, at this point in time, who is most on the margin, who is most vulnerable? widows and orphans. And I'll also say, Sarah, I think we are to listen for both God's anger. John called the religious leaders a brood of vipers and to attend to God's love and forgiveness. Jesus dying on the cross said, today you will be with me in paradise, both and. And while we wait, also do the work of God's kingdom on earth. I will end with a story I may have told before, a parable of a new monk joined the monastery, a young man, and he was assigned to work with an older, more mature monk. And their particular task was to work in the vegetable garden that was grown to support and feed the other monks. And their job was to hold the weeds, remove them. And the young monk, after a few days, began to complain. That isn't what I signed up for. I signed up to to pray without ceasing. And the, the older monk said, please continue to pray. And while you're doing it, keep hoeing. <laughs> thank you, Sarah. I agree. I thank you. Um, Charles, what are your thoughts? Pass. Okay. Where are you going, Don? What what, do you, where, what path are you taking us to? How do we? That, what structures or behaviors are we asked to to step into? Yeah, and and I'm not I'm not disagreeing with my friend Bill Hope. I agree about the marginalized, but I also just want to highlight for our listeners that I believe this is for everybody. This this is for us to enjoy and to point to and apply. That we that we just you know we're all facing the unknown. We're facing our own apocalypse apocalypses. Uh, our own challenges, our own crises in, in many ways. And every day we all travel about or speak to people. And uh, if it's not us, it's our friend. Uh, this is very close. Uh, so I, this is for us to, and I'm using the word enjoy, because it puts us in a state of readiness of Advent uh, to be prepared for, for all things in life and to enjoy things in life and to be prepared to have friendships. My 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 wife, my who's my best friend, and I, and I are out of frame. We are We've moved. Uh, and what we've done is we've moved into communities and places where we can meet people. And uh, we've been, our conversation has shifted on a daily basis to kind of pointing. Did you see that? Were you in that group? Did you meet, with, did you hear what she did? Did you see what he did? Just marking it, just pointing to it, the love that we see, which has helped us move into community and to deal with our challenges and to find ways to be helpful to others too. So in that simple way, I just wanted to share, you know, as we move out of frame, it's been, it hasn't even been intentional. It's the love has been so strong that we've seen. And I mean, it's just wide, wide variety of places. Did you see that? Did you see, and a lot of what Bill was patient. 
confidence, the patience, the listening. You know, I hate to use the word authenticity. It's just thrown around. But the, the authentic love and the patience and the, the, the outreach, it's been a beautiful thing. So it's there for us to enjoy. And it is visible if we look. So I, I would say I think the behavior is to answer your question to point to love, uh, to say it, to expect it, and to demonstrate the love. Uh, the transformations are all around at all scales for all of us to enjoy and to be prepared for and to engage in. And, uh, and so, the, you know, the question, I guess, basically is what, where is, where is the love? Uh, and it's there for us to see if we talk about it, which we do here every week. Uh, and then what does the love look like? And, uh, it's not, it's not the rose on the vine. It's something, it's completely different and surprising. Uh, and I think that's the surprise of uh of advent so that's 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 my answer can i ask a question yes i want to in the very last uh the very last uh verse here uh which is where jesus is summarizing what he's just been saying he's saying um among those born of women no one has risen greater than john the baptist yet least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Where does that leave us? We cannot possibly have ever met anybody that matches, you know, that that that, that, that Jesus will be able to say, you know, this is this is the person I'm talking about over here. Oh, take a look at that guy or that woman. He doesn't say that. But he does say that all these people that you've seen, all these people who've been uh, low of life, high of life, none of them counts for much of anything when it comes to the kingdom of God. What can it be possibly referring to? What can they imagine that would would would, would illustrate? Well, I, I guess my question would be, once we are in the full presence of God, what do you imagine we're going to be thinking? Or what information would we inherently know? If we're standing on this side and looking at the mirror with a veil on it, and when we're in the full presence of God, would that we are, how does our understanding of God change? I don't know. I don't know. I can't, you see, I just, I can't. What, what what I interpret this last verse to be saying is that in effect nothing you have done not 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 only the the the, 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 the bad people that we've been talking about I and mean, you've been imagining but the really good people John the Baptist for example it, they're you know they're at the bottom of the hill they're at the bottom of the list and so when you say, well, what what would it look like? I would say, my own phone now is telling me it's time to shut up. <laughs> so so I'll do that. But I, I just, it's, it, for me, it's a mystery, a mystery which, which we don't have an answer for. I agree. And so I wonder, you know, why why did why did why did Matthew put this here? And I have no answer for that. For me, the context is instructive. John was gaining a lot of attention. 
People were flocking out there to see him. In any endeavor, not just spiritual ones, there are people who rise to prominence, who are spokespersons for a movement, but they are only affected because others who are often out of sight uh, make it happen. So to me, it means that, yes, there will be people like uh, Jesus and John and Peter and others who are in the forefront, but in God's eyes, the work of the unseen and the quiet people, uh, those who don't draw attention to themselves, are equally, if not more, important. So for me, the context is the contrast between the prominent one and others. You know, several of the disciples of Jesus, all we know about them is their name, right? They're never mentioned again. They're never quoted, and yet they were among the twelve. Well, I'm I'm going to fall back on the notion that as strongly motivated as John is in these passages, the way he will understand how God moves is only a slight understanding. And that when you are in the full awareness of God and you have a clarity that John doesn't have, that those people in in the kingdom of heaven are likely to um, understand things in a bigger, broader, better way. I mean, that's my hope. Um, You know, kind of like when you're standing in the full presence of God, what you're wearing doesn't matter. (laughs) How your hair is combed doesn't matter. Um, whether or not you've brushed your teeth doesn't matter. It has more to do with the fact you're standing in the presence of God. And and that shifts your thinking because you have now an understanding of where you are in relationship to God in a very direct way. And I think that there's some sweetness in that. Um, so my postures were keep awake, be alert. God is at work around you. That was from Advent 1. Advent 2, be prepared to turn around. Marking and remarking, as Don would say, attend to God, work toward the kingdom of heaven. And then my Advent 3 um, posture is, God is going to work out his salvation or the salvation in ways I can't expect or anticipate. So I'm to bear witness and to wonder and point to it and be able to go, there it is, and it walks by. There's the Messiah, as John the Baptist would say. Um, Philip goes, I've met the Messiah. I want you to come meet him. You're going to think he's cool, right? When Philip goes and gets the other disciples. Um, So I think it's this sense of I can only report with confidence what I have heard and what I've seen. So I think that's the other. That and and we're supposed to enjoy it. I like that too, Don. I like that a lot. That goes back to bearing with And with that, I'm going to say, Don, do you want to offer up maybe a lectionary email address or something for us so that we could hear from people? I do, uh, and uh, let you know, uh, uh, if you'd like to communicate with us, we'd like, like hearing from you. Our, our email address is lectionarycallin, just 
the way it sounds, no spaces in it, lectionary call-in, at palmacia.org, that's P-A-L-M-A-C-E-I-A dot org. And as we go through this lectionary year, A, we'll rotate. So Bill Hull right now is watching, waiting, responding to emails, uh, and we'll just always count on him in the coming days to let us know. If you ever have anything, Bill, you let us know. So we welcome that. And by the way, I mean, we're not, we won't say your name <laughs> unless you want us to. Uh, so please, please communicate there. Uh, and then we'll rotate through the years until you hear from one of us. Uh, and then for more information, you can go to uh, 3501 West San Jose Street, Tampa, for the physical place, which is Palmasia Presbyterian Church. That's in Tampa, Florida. Uh, and that church makes this conversation possible each week. Uh, or uh, you can go to palmasia.org, P-A-L-M-A-C-E-I-A.org, for more information. And at that site, you can find worship services, sermons, opportunities to take communion, outstanding music, meditations, debates, differences of opinion, Sunday school classes. But we always commend that to you. And before we say goodbye, let me just look around the family here to see if there's anything else we need to add before we say goodbye. Well, I might add that if you would like to have the formative questions that we use each week, send us an email, and we'll be happy to uh, include you in the sending of those questions so you kind of know what we're going to talk about before a call, if you're interested in hearing or, or, or understanding where our call is going next week, we can share those with you. Amen. Amen. That would usually be available. I'll do worst case Saturday. <laughs> Saturday. Sarah's day. An idea of that. Well, let's just use that as a, another message, which is head starts matter. We We get a head start. I mean, come Wednesday or Thursday, we're working on the next week. Uh, not because, you know, I'll speak for myself, not because I'm great at it, but because I have a lot of work to do. So it's a lot of fun. So, if you, Sarah, that was great. If you want to take a journey with us, please do. Anything else, team? All right. Well, well, you're always welcome, and we'll see you next time.